Over 2,000 years ago, two disillusioned disciples walked along a dusty road to Emmaus. They had just witnessed Jesus, their friend and leader, whom they hoped to be the Messiah, suffer a gruesome death by crucifixion. Doubt, fear, and uncertainty clouded their conversation as they journeyed home questioning the future. Until something miraculous happened. The risen Jesus appeared and answered their questions. Today, many young Catholics step onto college campuses with numerous questions about their faith, yearning to know if the seed of faith given to them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared, fears faded, and Jesus revealed that he is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry, scheduled to be released in the summer of 2021, is a result of that grace-infused conversation. To pre-order your copy and help spread the word about the book, visit patchworkheart.org. Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you, and thank you so much for joining us here during the Easter octave on this wonderful uh, Easter uh, celebration that we're continuing to have, and we're Sewing Hope as always. Here, uh, live on Patchwork Heart Radio, I'm Bill Snyder, uh, joined by my friend and co-host, as always, Ann DeSantis. Ann, how are you this evening? Awesome. Happy Easter, Bill. <laughs> Happy, Happy Easter, Easter everyone. <laughs> yes. We're in the Easter octave. We have to keep remembering that, don't we? Yes, we do, right? We party like it's Easter every day for eight days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's do that. Uh, but I know we have a wonderful show. Uh, so, Anne, we have a great guest. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about her. 
Yes, we have an amazing guest. She's a good friend, uh, Deanna Bartolini. And Deanna, I'd love to read your bio first before we begin the podcast. As Deanna G. Bartolini, M.E.D. M.P.S., is a Catholic educator, writer, speaker, and retreat leader. She served in Paris ministry for over 35 years in many roles, religious education director, youth minister, liturgical coordinator, and stewardship director. Her graduate degrees are in educational leadership and pastoral ministry. Deanna was a regular contributor to Catechist Magazine. She writes for CatholicMom.com, Diocesan.com, and AmazingCatechist.com. She contributed to the Catholic Mom's Prayer Companion for Ave Maria Press and wrote a Bible study, The Stay Connected Journals for Catholic Women, Invite the Holy Spirit into Your Life, published by our Sunday visitor. She recently created the Live Not Warm Luke uh, community, which features online Bible studies and Sunday scripture reflections at deannabartolini.com. And I believe, Deanna, you also have a new website called livenotlukewarm.com. Welcome, Deanna. Thank you so much for joining us on Sewing Hope. Well, thank you for having me and happy Easter to everyone. And I love that we get to celebrate for so long. Yes. You know, Easter is 50 days too, right? It's the, it's 50 That's days right. and Lent's only 40. I think we forget that often. <laughs> That's right. This is my favorite season. I don't know about you guys, but I just love Easter season. I I still have a piece of lamb cake, so I I can have that, you know, all week. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I like Lent a lot. I do because it helps us to grow, but there's nothing better than just the celebration of the resurrection and, and not in sort of a secular way. I mean, in a real like celebratory hey, Christ is risen. And and this is something that we can all really celebrate as individuals and as families and communities. So um, Deanna, thank you so much for joining us. You're an amazing guest. I have to say we have a couple things in common on your bio. You mentioned catholicmom.com. I've been with them since 2016 as well. And you also mentioned the Ave Maria uh, Catholic Mom's Prayer Companion. Good news, you, I'm on that uh, list too. I'm going to be helping out and one of the writers on it as well. So we're nice. both part of it. And, you know, I think in this Catholic world, especially in the world of writers and, and people who are in ministry, it's a very close-knit world, isn't it? It is. It's uh, like six degrees of separation, right? You can somehow connect to everyone relatively quickly, I think, which is good, which is good. Yeah, 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 it's amazing. Hey, you know, this podcast is called Sewing Hope, but we always start out with the faith journey of our guests. And we would love to hear, uh, you know, your faith, your family, your faith, and also your mission. So, all right, we're going to have to watch the time, right? Okay. <laughs> so my, my faith, um, I grew up Catholic, um, went to Catholic elementary school, Catholic high school, um, 
So I was born smack in the middle of Vatican II. If you want to go ahead and do that math, go ahead, have fun with that. Um, but <laughs> so my, by the time I entered my teen years, some things were happening based on, you know, the changes with, with Vatican II. Um, and, you know, it was a mixed bag, right? We learned a lot of things. I remember when I was in high school, I was so excited when I got my good news Bible, you know, that little, um, I guess it was maybe like three by five, right? The good news for modern man. And it was a New Testament. Um, and so, I mean, I loved it. I thought it was great. And I've always, my faith really has always sustained me, always. Um, grew up, like I said, grew up Catholic, um, met my husband in church. Um, my husband actually proposed to me in church, um, because at that time, churches were open all the time, <laughs> not just <laughs> during mass, right? <laughs> so um, we, we, we did that. And um, so, yeah, so uh, it's, it's been an interesting time. Um, the older I get, the more I realize how much I don't know, but also realize that our faith is not about what we know. It's about who we know, which, of course, is Jesus Christ and how we live. How, how do we live out our faith? You know, um, St. Paul sells, 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 oh my goodness, excuse me, says it well in Corinthians where he says, you know, I can speak beautifully. Um, I can know all the things, but if, if I don't have love and you're nothing but a clanging gong. Um, and so who wants to be that, right? Who wants to be that? Yeah. Yes. Right. You know, I, I think that's a really beautiful point that, you know, it really is about love and it's about, um, you know, having the relationship with Christ. And if we don't have that, um, we, we are a clanging gong. We just, we, and there's a lot of loud pots and pans, uh, just, you know, empty pots and pans clanging in our society. So, um, you know, it, it's so good to re remember that, especially during the Easter season, to really have that focus on our personal relationship with, with Christ. Uh, but I would love to know, too, Deanna, how, um, how, how you got involved in ministry, you know, I mean, I know you have a long background in ministry, and uh, obviously, you know, being, being faithful to the church, you know, for your, for your, for your life, um, you know, it kind of moves us in when we have that relationship, when we have that personal relationship, God often calls us into ministry, so I would love to hear a little bit of the ministry journey as well. Sure. So, when I was uh, a teenager, I used to hang out in two places besides home. I either went to the library or I went to church uh, because they were quiet and my house was super loud, which is funny because I am kind of a loud person in general. But so that's where I hung out. And I, from a young age, I did lots of things in church. You know, they needed lots of help. And so I used to do things like clean the church and help the sisters do with the flowers on the altar and, and all of those things and help it. You know, this was before there was vacation Bible school, but we would have like summer camp for the kids and I would help out and always did that. And I actually used to be in the folk group again, dating myself. Um, and my husband who at that time was not my husband, which is sort of funny. He would sit in the choir loft and that's how he decided that I would be the one he was going to marry because he just loved the way I played the guitar. I'm not really sure. But in terms of my faith life, it, the church really was there all the time. Um, we had some great Franciscan priests and we, we would go on retreats. So I, I grew up in New York 
New York City and Queens. And we would go upstate, which we thought was Albany, um, which really isn't that far upstate. <laughs> um, so we would go up to the retreat house at least once a year. We went on retreats. And then when I went to high school, um, I went to a Franciscan high school as well. And again, a lot of time with the priests, with a couple of sisters, and just really found a level of acceptance and understanding and a sense of belonging and community. And so just the more I got involved, the more I wanted to know Jesus and the more I wanted to be able to talk about him and all he has, all he does, all he does for all of us. Yeah, you're, you're an amazing person, amazing mom, too. We're going to talk about your personal life, too, about you and your family. Uh, you mentioned that you were born right around the middle of Vatican II. I'm thinking there's another thing we're uh, in common, because I was born in 1965. I don't know when you were born, but it's got to be around there somewhere, right? Very cl- Just a couple uh, of years before. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. But it's somewhere, somewhere close by. Um, so tell us about, you know, you, I know you're a mom, you're living in Florida now, you and your husband yes. and your kids. Uh, tell us about that too. So uh, we moved to Florida, right? After, I got married when I was in college and uh, we moved to Florida right after I graduated college and we started our family here. So we have two kids. They're adults now. Um, they, they both have children. Um, we have three grandchildren, so two children, three grandchildren, and um, you know, all of our lives we were when our when our kids were growing up involved in church. You know, they were altar servers. We did obviously religious education classes. Um, at that time, there were not a lot of Catholic schools in our area in where we live in Florida, and. Um, so it was a little bit different. You know, they think the kids didn't go to Catholic school, but what was great is we formed community with people from our parish and they had children close in age to our children. And so we did so many family things together. We would go camping. We would, you know, we were in scouts. uh, We were in sports. Both of my children play basketball. They get that from their father, not me. Um, (laughs) And just, just really just infusing what we did with our with our faith but not in a heavy-handed overly pious kind of way you know Mm. um it was just a part of our lives and the people we were with it was a part of their lives and so i think that was a great way for us especially since our families were not close by that we were able to raise our children with other families of faith and the same values and i think it was extremely beneficial Wow. Wow. That's awesome. And I have to say, I'm a little jealous of you living there in Florida. <laughs> Tell us about that. Where are you located? Because I just love Florida. Hint, so, hint to my husband if he's listening. <laughs> um, well, lots of people are moving here from up north. So, all right. A lot of times people laugh when I tell them this, but I live in Jupiter, um, mm-hmm. which is just north of West Palm Beach. Uh, it's uh, in Palm Beach County. And so uh, we've lived here probably about 20 years. And before that, we just, we lived in Palm Beach Gardens, which is nearby. So but this is pretty much where we've lived, you know, since, since we moved here, which actually is like 30, I think it's 36 years. Oh my wow. goodness. Wow. 
Yeah, I know. You're I don't a Floridian even know now. Maybe you're not a New Yorker anymore. I, I've, I've lived here <laughs> far longer than I lived in New York, far longer. Um, but I can, I can order coffee with the best of them. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm just amazed that I've lived here that long and, and I have grandkids here. So we love living here. I mean, I love living here. Um, it, it is always warm here, which is nice. I cannot imagine going back to where it's winter. Um, the other thing that's different here, and I noticed because I do have, obviously, with this online world that we all kind of inhabit now, you talk to people from all over the country, right? And I noticed that really here, our parishes are much more vibrant and active and youthful. Uh, like in my parish, the average age at one point, it's probably not now, but it, at maybe at five years ago, it was like 38. Could you imagine the, the average age being 38? Yeah. You know, wow. so. It's, no, no. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm in Pennsylvania and God bless our churches and our, our archdiocese. We, we do have a beautiful, wonderful archdiocese here, but the average age, I mean, when I go to daily mass, I'm 56 and I'm the baby a lot of times, you know what I mean? I, I'm the baby at daily mass sometimes. So, yeah. yeah. So a 56-year-old, it's the baby. That's, that says a lot, I think, doesn't it? It, it does. It does. I mean, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of times in ministry, it's the same thing. Like when I, when I first moved here, I was the youngest person, and I'm still the youngest person. How does that happen? I'm not really sure. Right. Yeah. Um, because we do have a lot of seniors, so it's really mixed. But that, that idea that Florida is full of old people, um, in, like at least in my parish, it's very, very mixed community, and I think that's really nice. So we don't have parishes closing and, and things like that, which is good. Yeah, you know, that that is an encouraging sign uh, to, to, to see young people in parishes and, you know, keeping them keeping them vibrant and keeping them alive. You know, uh, I always, you, we used to have a pastor uh, when I was in Philadelphia who always used to say that, you know, if you're not hearing babies crying in your church, the church is not going to be around, like the church is going to close. And that's so true. So um, that's a that's a beautiful thing that uh, you're living in that community and doing that uh, and and having that experience of our, a vibrant church, because that is, you know, that is something that I think uh, a lot of a lot of us can help return to. I don't know what you think about the most recent data that came out that was saying that there's uh, we're finally under 50% uh, attendance nationwide, all denominations in the Catholic, you know, I think it's 41% now are attending in-person church services. And I think the pandemic has impacted that a little bit, but that's the first time I think since the poll was started like 85 years ago that, that we have fallen underneath 50%. And so, you know, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, too, and, you know, maybe how to um, encourage people to head back to in-person live worship. Yeah, I think it, it's, it seems to me that it's become a very personal decision. And I, I recently, actually, in the last week, one diocese in Florida uh, has, is on Pentecost, will have stopped the... Um, Okay, just lost the word uh, that you, the that you have to go back to mass. The dispensation is lifted. The dispensation. Already. Thank the you. Dispensation. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I've been with toddlers for five days. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's my excuse. So 
one diocese in Florida has lifted, is going to lift the dispensation as of Pentecost Sunday, which is in May. And then I just saw another diocese uh, somewhere in the Midwest. I don't remember where. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, and the way it was worded in both of these cases was that if you have a mitigating health factor, then please, then you don't, you should not come to church, you know, that sort of thing. But I think for me personally, and this is, I'm going to say this as gently as possible. If you're going out to dinner, you need to go to mass. Yeah, that's sort of I the thing. Right? If, if you're going out to dinner, you need to go to mass. Um, and different parishes ha- have different levels of, you know, things that they've done for safety and following whatever rules, depending on the state. But I think ultimately, and I've talked to, to, to younger people you know, why haven't you gone back? And for some, it's, especially if they have young kids, you know, if you have little children who you've brought to mass and then all of a sudden you have to stop bringing them to mass, now they have to be retrained. And, and, I, and again, that's tough, you know, because for kids, especially little ones, it's a, it's a habit, you know, it's a habit. This is what we do on Sunday. This is what we do. And it's tough to get back into that habit, but that's basically what it is. It's, this is what we do. And I think, We've somehow forgotten in our push sometimes to say that we all need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which I 100% agree with, but we have a relationship with the people of God, and we can only have that relationship if we're present. Amen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amen. I mean, mean, this this is great. I love a good Zoom conversation. I do. I absolutely do. But there is nothing like being physically present with other people and being in community. Oh. I know Bill agrees with that. Oh, I, I have to say, see him nodding, and we've talked about it. He agrees. Um, I'll admit, I'm I'm a little more of an online person, but I do think that w- when it comes to the Eucharist, we need to be there, right? I yeah. mean, when it comes to the Eucharist, we need to be there. Because we cannot receive the Eucharist virtually. Right. And I, I, will, I will tell you, so my husband is a deacon, and because he is a deacon, I was able to go to mass when churches were closed. We were given the option that if we were willing to lecture, we could go to mass. Well, I'm fine with public speaking, obviously. Um, and so I, I lectured. When my husband served, I lectured. And it was just the priest, the deacon, myself. And then if it was on a Sunday, we would have music but all the daily masses were live, and they still are live streamed, and all the Sunday masses are live streamed. And so even during when the height of the pandemic, when we were totally shut down, I was able to go and receive the Eucharist. And I will tell you that for a long time, I didn't tell people this, especially when people couldn't receive, because I almost felt guilty, right? Um, because we need the Eucharist, because I am not I am not the person that God calls me to be without Jesus. I'm, I'm just not. Yeah. Oh yeah. If, I mean, if, I'm if not saying be, you for me too. <laughs> right. I mean, if you can be, that's great. But I, I know myself that I need him to be a good person, to be, to be the best person, you know? Yeah. And, and that, you know, that's beautiful that, you know, just the way you, um, you know, you, you, you phrase that. And I think for many of us, um, to be the best we can be, we need the Eucharist. I think we need to recognize that as Catholics. And, and I, I think that um, 
w- when you phrase it like that, I think it also helps people recognize that if they if they haven't delved into the Eucharistic spirituality, right? If they haven't gone into that Eucharistic spirituality to understand what the Eucharist is and who the Eucharist is, more importantly, um, then then they need to do that because. Because as, as I've told teenagers for years as a youth minister, I would always tell them that, you know, the God of the universe not only wants to dwell in a tabernacle, you know, 15, 20 feet from you at Mass, or, you know, 100 feet from you at Mass, he wants to dwell inside of you. You know, he, he loves you so much that he wants to be part of you. And, uh, and I think for uh, people to revisit and re-understand that, uh, and and that be the driving factor in their in their uh, attendance at mass, uh, and and to go back hungry for Jesus. And I also think that that is a great segue too, Deanna, uh, into you know challenging people uh, to to live not lukewarm, which is what you do. I mean, that's uh, you have an amazing community. Um, again, I know Anne read the website at the beginning, but DeannaBartolini.com. Uh, and you have this amazing uh, membership community. You have a podcast. You have uh, just some incre- incredible resources. I'd love for you to talk with us um, about you know how you got this ministry started and uh, what you offer because there's just so many amazing things from blogging, podcasting, speaking, and an awesome membership community. So it's interesting the way things happen, right? It's all God's timing and paying attention to the work of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit is moving in you and in your life. Um, I love to teach. I absolutely love to teach. And I love to teach people about Jesus. So it goes, it goes hand in hand. And so I started to think about how could I do this? How could I reach people? And this was before the pandemic started. And so, you know, membership sites are a big thing. Uh, but one of the things I've noticed about many of them, and this is across the board, it's not, this is not a uh, Catholic thing, or it's whether they have secular ones, you know, life coaching, how to do arts and crafts, how to bake, all of them, to me, all seemed two things I didn't like about them. They all seemed expensive, and they all seemed impersonal. And so one of the goals that I had was to figure out a way to do this to make it personal and inexpensive. And I think I've done it. At least I hope I've done it. Um, My new website is just about launched and it's livenotlukewarm.com, which is much easier to spell than (laughs) dianabartolini.com. So (laughs) livenotlukewarm.com. It's not 100% complete, but it's like 99.9. And probably I shouldn't even say that because you won't notice. It's just me noticing it. But basically what I offer, and my husband and I do this together, not all of it, but a lot of it we do together, um, Bible studies, book clubs, some discussion groups, but it's personal. So when we do a Bible study, typically what happens is I do a lesson, uh, maybe 15, 20 minute lesson, and then we talk. People ask questions. People support each other on their faith journey. It's not about what I think about the scripture, it's about collectively, what is God saying to us? Now, of course, if people are going off track, I, I pull them back, you know, that's my responsibility as, as the facilitator, as the instructor. Um, but really, it's, it's about growing in our faith so that we know how to live. Because 
how can you live out your faith if you don't know what your faith is? And I find it interesting. So many times, like senior citizens, like older people, they'll get on. Like I have this one woman. She's like, I have been Catholic my entire life. And she says, and I'm not telling you how long that's been, but I can't believe I have never been able to read scripture. She's in four different online Bible studies right now because she has that kind of time, right? And I think that's just amazing. And so really that's the purpose of the Live Not Lukewarm membership site. The community is to build up our faith and to know what the church actually teaches. And not only about scripture, there are other topics that I cover. I've, I've talked about grace, the saints, different things. But how are we supposed to live our faith if we don't know our faith? Yeah, so important. And I think especially in this day and age where there's a lot of people who are, quite frankly, falling away from their faith, um, maybe people who are a little younger than us, Deanna, um, maybe in that whole millennial age bracket uh, and younger than that too. But, and people our age are falling away from it, let's face it. You know, I mean, I think all over the place, but what you're doing is an antidote for that so that people feel that they are part of a community that they have friends, you know, as simple as it sounds as people want to build friendship. And I know yes. I do. I know I do. I mean, I will admit to you and to our audience here that over this past year, uh, we, my husband and I, my family switched churches because we, we, we just felt that we wanted to go to a community that was a little more proactive and it may, has made a big difference. Yeah, it really I think, has. I think that kind of goes back to the question Bill asked earlier is how are we going to, you know, invite people to come back after this? And I think one way is, is to really, we have to teach the truth. We have to speak the truth. We have to speak the truth in love, but we have to also offer people community and listening. People don't feel like people listen to them, that they're not heard. Um, and so I have always been the kind of teacher, especially, you know, of adults, as opposed to when I taught, you know, young children or, or teenagers, really to engage in conversation and to ask questions. And even when I, when I was a youth minister, I, we used to play this game, stump the youth minister. And I would tell them, you can ask me anything you want. You can ask me anything you want, and I will do my best to answer it. And I think we have to be willing to answer the hard questions and then help people find a way to express their faith. You know, and that's, I think, where the vibrancy of a parish comes in, right? Like, what is not so much activity for the sake of activity, but like f with real purpose and intention. That's right. Yeah, I agree with so much of what you've said, because people do want to be heard. And we say it over and over and over again on this podcast that when we really unpack what does it mean to be well catechized, you know, does it mean that I know that catechism so well back and forth and I live the theology of the body and I think about it and evangelize through it that way? Yes, it does mean that. But it does mean it does mean being a good person. It does mean listening. It does mean active listening. It does mean accepting people who are not like you and being able to be open to them. Because if we don't do that, 
Dana, I believe that the church is not going to grow. Not open to sin. I'm not saying that we're accepting sin, but we need to be open to people who have questions and even people who are not exactly where we quote want them to be. The word Catholic means universal, and we need to keep that in mind when we evangelize, right? It's not going to be, you know, the nice, I'm not everyone is going to be the husband and wife with the 10 children that are all homeschooled and attend Latin mass every week, you know, not saying that I think, I think that is a wonderful thing. And I hope that people do take up on that, but that word Catholic has to mean a lot more than that too. Would you agree on that? Absolutely. It's, you know, Jesus, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, but there is more than one way to get to Jesus. Right. You know, I mean, we, of course, you know, we are Catholic, but again, not all of us are called to certain things. And one of the saddest things that I see is division amongst the church. Instead of saying, okay, you know, like some people like classical music at church and some people like praise and worship music at church. You're not a bad Catholic if you don't like classical music. Amen. That's that's not it, you know? Um, And of course, there are a lot deeper issues that people decide who's a good Catholic, who's a bad Catholic. And I forget, I I think people forget that when it says the part about judgment, we're not supposed to judge people in terms of, are they good or bad? Are they going to heaven? Are they going to hell? That's God's job. But we do have to have judgment as to what is right and wrong. You know, so yes, we're not going to let sin in, but we doesn't, Letting sin in is very different than having a conversation with someone who's not, quote unquote, the perfect Catholic. Because yeah, absolutely. If you only, right? If you only invite the perfect people in, who's coming? <laughs> nobody. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody. Um, yeah, I mean, I love what you're doing because you're combining catechesis and also fellowship. Fellowship is very important in the church. And it's where people feel the connection and where they find the desire to want to be a part of a community and where they get up in the morning on a Sunday and say, I want to go to church because I'm going to want, want to see friends of mine. And I want to be there with the, with the, the mass and the priest and the people and celebrating the Eucharist, right? If somebody doesn't feel that sense of community and if something has gone wrong, Unfortunately, even if the Eucharist is there, they're not going to want to go to that church. Does that make sense? I mean, I know for me, I've even experienced that myself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes you think we have, the Eucharist is the most precious gift in the world. Yes. And it absolutely is. But that doesn't mean we can say, look, we have the Eucharist come. It doesn't matter if we're not nice to you. It doesn't matter if we, if, you know, we're not inviting it. Like, it matters. All of it matters. It all matters. Yeah, it really does. I mean, that's what our podcast is all about. He's laughing because we talk about this all the time. Yeah. I mean, sowing hope into broken hearts, right? Broken hearts. I mean, that's part of what catechizing in my, my, my term when I think of catechizing, I think of all of the rules and the regulations. Yes, I do. But to me, catechize means that you're an empathetic, loving, good person who wants to spread the love of Christ. That to me 
And to us at Sewing Hope is what I call well catechized. Yeah. Well, ca- yeah. catechesis, catechesis, the word actually means to echo. We're supposed to echo not only the truth, not only the beauty and the goodness of our faith, but the love of Christ. Yes. I, oh, yeah. I used to, I used to tell people this. No one ever got people to love Jesus by hitting them over the head with a two by four. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't drag people to him. No, no. And, and you know what? The, the times that you do that, all it does is switch. It, 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 it flips a switch, the off switch, you know, that's what happens Yeah. when you, oh, yeah. The, you know, the moment you, st- you know, start saying, oh, you know, you should do this and you should do that. And by the way, you know, my church and this church is like, it's, it's actually counterproductive to evangelization. If you, you know, if you look at evangelization from the aspect of living your faith, and living it in truth, but also living it in charity, what's going to happen is you're going to actually attract people to the church through you. Like, you know, you, you begin to realize it's not about you. The, the ministry isn't about you. It's about Jesus. And, you know, that's where our Blessed Mother, you know, Mary really is the perfect model, right? Like, like you know, you know they talk about her as the moon sometimes, right? That that reflects the sunlight and and draws people in. And that's what we have to do. We have to be like little moons that reflect the sunlight, you know, so brightly that that it just attracts people and, and wants them to say, hey, you know what, I look what she's got. Look what he's got. I want that. You know, Matthew Kelly famously wrote that in uh, Rediscovering Catholicism. He wrote that in his book. Yeah, holiness is attractive. You know, if if you live your faith in both truth and in charity, your your evangelization is just going to happen. You know. Yes. And and that's what I love about what you're doing because that that's exactly what you're doing. You know, you're saying you've got to have both of these and you've got to put them here, and then you've got to remember to live not lukewarm. You you got you've got to be on fire for for Jesus, and you got to be on fire with the Holy Spirit. Uh, in order to uh, be, become that magnet that that attracts people to Christ, and I also I also think we have to be honest that people can sense hypocrisy mm. and fakeness. That's not really a word, fakeness, but um, <laughs> the hypocrisy. I use it. I, <laughs> I guess I'm wrong too. Um, you know, and, and sometimes people. I I worked in in parishes for many many years, and. People would always say, well, your family's probably, you probably don't have problems because you work in church. And I would think, okay, why is that? <laughs> why, why would you think that? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we have more problems. Those of us who work in the church, uh, well, you know, I like to think about that too, you know? Well, because the more faithful you are, oftentimes there will be more attacks on you. I, I, I believe that. I believe that. Oh, for sure. But you know, living not, not lukewarm, it's, it's just really about embracing the fullness of your life. And sometimes it's really messy, but other times it's not. And you just keep moving forward. Yeah. You know, Amen. Keep moving forward. Yeah. Amen. Because, I, you know, the, the second part of that verse, right, it comes from Revelation 316. Yeah. Jesus says, I will spit you out of my mouth. No, who wants that? You're really <laughs> right. Amen. 
Hey, um, I know we have about 10 minutes left. Uh, yes. I would love for you to tell our audience all about the different things that are going on for you in 2021 and that call to action so that they can subscribe and and check out all the great things that you're doing. So please do go through the whole list of okay. <laughs> all of those wonderful calls to action. All right. So a couple of different things that are going on. Um, I have two courses starting on the Live Not Lukewarm uh, community. One is we're going to be studying the book of Acts, which is actually, uh, we did that we did that last year and it was very well received. And so other people want to participate. So that's going to start on April 15th. And the book study, I'm doing a book study on my Bible study that I published from our Sunday visitor, which is about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And that is also starting on April 15th. That is during the day. The Acts study is in the evening. And then starting uh, April 21st, we are going to be doing a book group on C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. I am really, really excited about that. And that was one of those things. It kept coming up in our discussion groups, right? Like, oh, has anybody read this? Do you know about this? And some people said yes. Some people said no. And so really it just sort of came from the group, uh, which I love. I love that. Uh, And so we had a little vote. It was either between Mere Christianity or the Lamb Supper. And we the, the people voted, the people voted um, on mere Christianity. So that's going to start April 21st. And that's a book club. So that's um, just, you know, read the book. We're going to come together, have some questions to guide the conversation and go from there. Um, the, the website, again, I do encourage you to go ahead and go on it. You can subscribe to my newsletter. The other fun thing that I do is every week, I, besides my podcast, uh, which is at not lukewarmpodcast.com. But every week I do something with the Sunday scriptures. Because, you know, oftentimes we go to mass, we listen to the homily. But what we need is like a nugget. We need a thing to hold on to. And one of the things I really think is helpful is to read the readings ahead of time. I I think that's super helpful. We've been doing that. We started doing that when our kids were young. And we just have continued through all these years. So probably for 25 years years. Wow. That's great. And, um, I don't know if they still do it, but my husband and I still do it. And so I, I just give maybe a five minute audio reflection on the readings and something to pray about and something to take away, you know, just something small. Um, and that's every Sunday. So living not lukewarm with the Sunday scriptures, because standing in the word of God and on the word of God is how we are going to be the people that attract others. You know, we can't share God's word if we don't know God's word. Um, oh, I love that. Now, now let's back up for one second. Sure. So for these things that you're talking about, the classes and everything, um, where do they subscribe for those? And it, what is the cost for them joining for the, the book club and the, and the um, other things that you're doing? Okay. So the Sunday scripture reflection is, is uh, free, but you do sign up for it just so I don't send it to everybody who maybe doesn't want it. So that's all on live not lukewarm.com or dianabartolini.com. Either, either one you can find. If you subscribe to the newsletter, you'll get directions on what you want to subscribe to. And for the courses, um, there is either a year long membership, which is $92 
uh, six month membership, which is 42. I could be off a little bit, but the website has it all. I'm so bad at numbers. Um, or you can do a monthly fee. And if you don't want to join the membership for a year or six months, then you can just buy the courses. The Bible studies are $20 and the book clubs are $8. Um, and again, the whole thing is about knowledge and community. You know, like Anne, you, you mentioned, yeah. it's about fellowship, yes. though not in person, it is live. And so when you have that really nagging question about why did Jesus say this, you can ask it. Um, and a live person will answer you right then and there, because I, I have lots of commentaries. <laughs> so I make sure I have, I try to have lots of answers and help. So no, I, th I think what you're doing is I, I love it. I'm going to be honest with you. I love everything that you're doing because, you know, in this COVID world that we're just coming out of, what a better way to make some friends online, no matter where you live. You know, you're in Florida. I'm in Pennsylvania. I mean, there's people who are listening to this podcast from all over. I want to encourage them to go to Deanna Bartolini or the Live Not Lukewarm podcast. Was it LiveNotLukewarm.com? Yep. There you yes, go. Live please not do. Yeah. You're really an amazing person. Thank you. I'm really grateful that you'd be a part of our podcast and Sewing Hope. I'm excited. And also, I almost forgot, not only did I get to talk to you, you could talk, ask me questions, but you all are on my podcast talking about your new book, which I still can't, that whole idea of interviewing the college students and, and going from there was really brilliant, really brilliant. And that podcast is actually dropping on Friday. Um, Good. Listeners can listen to us again uh, on the Not Lukewarm podcast um, as well to hear more about your book and your ministry. Oh, yeah. You, I, it's always so much fun when we get to trade podcasts. You know, that's one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite things because you get to have two great conversations with people and, um, you know, they're they're vastly different. And so I'm I, I'm so excited to be able to share that and, and share this time with you as well, Deanna, because, um, you know, getting to, getting to know you, getting to see your ministry in action, um, it's, it's, it's a really wonderful thing. And, and I hope our listeners, uh, not only listen to your podcast and, and our upcoming show on Friday, but, but I hope that they delve into your ministry. And I hope that if they're hungering for more, you know, a lot of times people stumble upon podcasts, they stumble upon ministries and things on the internet and stuff like that. But, but really, as Ann said, you know, delve into this, sign up for this stuff, uh, you know, go take that one step deeper. Uh, and, and this stuff is going to help you, I think, also bridge the gap a little bit, uh, coming back into that in-person worship that we were talking about at the beginning, right? Like, so we're going to need some, you know, you know, sometimes a gentle nudging or gentle prodding back into the the in-person ministry and what a great way with the with the zoom with the live zoom bible studies and all these different things that you're doing to you know to have that in-person stuff um you know and and that live stuff uh kind of gently lead us back closer to christ number one but also uh back into community because we've been talking about that it's such an important thing so uh i, I really appreciate uh, all that you're doing uh here uh, to spread the gospel, uh, Deanna, and uh, and certainly um, you have a great ministry, so thank you. Yeah, thank you for me. <laughs> I just, I've loved getting to know what you guys are doing as well. See, there was that New York again, you guys. <laughs> if I was really a Floridian, I said y'all. 
<laughs> well, I'm Philadelphia, so I say you guys all the time, and Bill was from here too originally. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, every once in a while it, you hear that word. It's good. That's right. That's right. It is good. It, the East Coast is a great place. Uh, East Coast is a great place to be. Uh, but folks, um, I, I again, I want to remind you that uh, you can always head over to our website as well, uh, which is patchworkheart.org or andesantis.com, and uh, all the podcasts and all the good stuff um, that you know to, to look at. You know, if you missed anything in this podcast, you know, all the show notes and stuff are there. All the episodes are on both websites. So, so please uh, feel free to contact us as well. Uh, it, it very simply, sewinghope at patchworkheart.org, S-E-W-I-N-G, hope at patchworkheart.org is our email address. And you can, uh, you know, email us and, you know, if you've missed anything or you want to, you know, get in touch with Deanna or something like that, get in touch with us uh, so that we can, uh, you know, continue to continue to inspire you. I mean, you know, and, and, and bring great guests to you. Always we love suggestions. We love uh, comments and stuff like that. Both Ann and I get the emails. So, um, you know, keep that up. And uh, any, any last things? I know, Deanna, you like to leave listeners with a not lukewarm challenge uh, at the end of your show. Uh, so do you want to do that here on the podcast as we close up? Okay. Uh, this is going to be my challenge. Read the daily mass readings between now and Pentecost. Read them every day because they're daily mass readings, even if you don't go to mass. Because when you read the Acts of the Apostles that way, it is just amazing how the church started. And it just gives you some fresh insight. Um, so I encourage you to read the daily mass readings every day between now and Pentecost. Do it. Awesome. That is a great, great, great uh, suggestion. Thank you, Deanna. And thank you all uh, for listening, everybody. Uh, Don't forget until next time, keep beating to your Catholic hearts, sowing hope into broken hearts. I'm Bill Snyder for Deanna Bartolini and Anna Santis. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2.